0: You are listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast, where we have real-life conversations about all things hippie, from veganism to zero waste to manifesting to minimalism and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie. I'm a zero waste activist and consultant traveling the United States in a van with a mission of encouraging people to live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. With this podcast, I want to show you how easy it can be to take small steps that make a big difference in saving our planet let's get started. This episode of the Hippie Haven podcast is brought to you by the Sustainable Switch, an online zero-waste store that offers stainless steel straws, three-in-one metal utensils, and reusable snack and produce bags. They also sell in bulk, so if you run a business or organization looking for sustainable alternatives, check them out. Use my discount code, a hippie in a van. That's to save 10% off your order over $15, or 10% off your bulk order of 50-plus items. Visit TheSustainableSwitch.com to shop now. Today I'm chatting with Katherine Kellogg, the popular blogger behind GoingZeroWaste.com. Katherine is a professional actor turned eco-activist. After a breast cancer scare led her to cutting plastic out of her life, she discovered the zero-waste movement and started her blog in 2015 about her journey to fit all of her trash in a 16-ounce mason jar. She quickly became one of the most well-known names in the zero-waste community and has been featured on CNN, The Guardian, MSNBC, and National Geographic, just to name a few. She now spends most of her time educating the public on the dangers of trash, plastic pollution, and food waste with small, actionable tips we can all implement to make the world a little greener. Catherine's new book, 101 Ways to Go Zero Waste, will be released in April 2019 and is available for pre-order now. How did you first get into the zero-waste movement?
1: So, well, tell you a long story. When I was in college, I had a breast cancer scare, and it really made me question a lot of the products that I was using in everyday life because a lot of our products contain endocrine disruptors. These can be our beauty products, our cleaning products, even plastic. And so I really started by trying to balance my health, and I was removing plastic, and I was looking for green alternatives, getting more into natural living, and then when I moved out to California, the litter problem out here is terrible. Like, there's litter everywhere. And for me, that's when it really clicked, that plastic isn't only bad for our personal health. It's also bad for the health of the planet. And so I started my blog after that because I really just wanted to encourage anyone, no matter where they were, that the differences they could make for their health and for the health of the planet could be very substantial, whether they live in Arkansas, where I'm from, without any access to recycling, or if they live in California and they have access to it everything. Gotcha. And what is it about plastic that makes it dangerous to our health? So plastic is made with a lot of like phthalates and it's got fillers. And of course, we probably all know about BPA. And then mm-hmm. there's also BPS. And there was a study that was done, I believe, by the University of Texas that found that BPA-free plastic actually has more endocrine disruptors in it than plastic with BPA. So plastic in general, it's it's made from oil, and so it's just really not super great for it to be around our food. And then as far as from the planet standpoint, those same chemicals leach into the planet as well, affect the wildlife, and it never goes away. It doesn't biodegrade. It doesn't break down. It doesn't turn back into soil. It just becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And Orb Media did a study where 94% of all the drinking water, both tap and bottled, in the United States, is contaminated with microplastic particles. So we're drinking plastic, plastics in our food chain, probably not the healthiest thing in the world. So Yeah, that's terrifying. And it it really hasn't
2: been maybe not around long enough, but we haven't been aware of it long enough to do any long term studies on how it's affecting us and future generations with consuming this plastic right into our body.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, plastic wasn't even really a prevalent material until the 70s. So it's only been around about 50 years, and the amount that we're making is just absolutely exploded in production. It has, yeah. What is your definition of zero waste? Well, the simple definition is to send nothing to a landfill. And the more complex definition that I really like is to write waste completely out of existence. And I really like that because it reflects more accurately the definition which is to move from a linear economy, what we currently live in, to a circular economy. And what was the first zero waste swap
2: that you made to kind of start that process in your own life? Well,
1: um, I started making a lot of swaps before I was zero waste, before I really understood, you know, when I was doing it under that lens per se. But I mean, of course, some of the first things that I did was swap out my plastic water bottle for a reusable water bottle. I stopped trying to buy a lot of my food wrapped in plastic, which for me meant that I was going to the farmer's market. I was buying a lot of fresh produce rather than processed snacks. And then when I actually like became quote unquote zero waste, I really started looking more at the resource production of our products. And so I swapped, you know, paper towels for reusable tea towels or dish towels and that was probably, that's probably like one of my, my first big ones. And honestly, it was so easy. I can't believe like I was wasting money on paper towels. Yeah,
2: they're completely pointless. We've got much better alternatives. Now your blog goingzerowaste.com, zero com, was um, one of the first ones that I found last year when I pretty much Googled like how to go zero waste, it was what popped up. And so it has been an invaluable resource to me. You have a lot of really great tips for beginners, Um, And one of the things that you talk about for people just getting started in zero waste is the big four. Can you go into more detail? What is the big four when it comes to reducing waste?
1: Of course. Yes. This is where I recommend everyone start because it's four items that most of us interact with that we don't think about because we're very disconnected from our trash because we put it in a trash can and then someone comes and then takes it away and we never really have to confront what we're throwing away. And so the big four, number one is say no to straws, which is, Pretty easy. Of course, if you like straws, need straws, or drink smoothies and get them all over yourself without one, you can always get a reusable one. They've got a lot of reusable options. And then the second one is to, of course, bring your own bags to the grocery store, which we all know that we should do, but very rarely do we actually bring them. <laughs> we didn't forget. So a couple of the hacks that I suggest for people to use is to buy a couple that clip onto their key ring and then that way you're always, you always have them with you and then make it a pain point. So if you show up to the grocery store, you don't have your bag, turn around, go home and get them. It will be painful. You will remember what I had to do. I actually wound up at the grocery store on international plastic bag free day, the like about the a couple weeks or months after I decided I was officially going to go zero waste without my reusable bags. And I was like, of course, of all day, it's like all day to be at the grocery store wanting to go zero waste, not having my bags. Mm -hmm. I turned around, I went home, got them. And I have to say to this day, it was so painful that I've never forgotten my bags again. (laughs) Um, The third one is coffee cups. Coffee cups are actually lined with plastic, making them very, very difficult to recycle. They're actually not recyclable in most municipalities because you have to have a special machine that separates that plastic lining from the paper cup. And then the coffee cup lids are especially toxic. They're plastic number six, polystyrene, which we most commonly see as styrofoam, which is a known carcinogen, and then we're sipping hot liquids through them, which is probably not the best thing to do. So bringing your own thermos, totally an option. You can also ask for a cup to sit in at the cafe. And if you're in a rush, I always suggest that people just ask for their coffee at a more drinkable temperature because baristas can do that. You can get it at a more drinkable temperature, get it in the mug, drink it, and then be on your way. And then, of course, if you are really, really stuck and you don't have any other options, just ask for it without the lid or what we in the zero waste community like to call going topless. And then the last one is a reusable water bottle. And so I'm sure we all know that we should bring our water bottles with us. And a couple hacks to remember those is just to keep several full in the fridge That way, you're ready to go with filtered, clean water, and you can just grab and go. I think a lot of people like the convenience of a water bottle because they don't want to wait 20 seconds to fill it up in the sink, which sounds ridiculous when you say that out loud because, yes, it is a little bit ridiculous. But if you have some that are full and ready to go in the fridge, you can just grab them and then be on your way. And I really personally like double-insulated bottles because double-insulated bottles keep hot drinks hot and cold drinks cold. So whenever you're out to get your coffee, you can actually use your water bottle as the vessel
2: For your coffee? Absolutely. I do that all the time. I have one of the stainless steel insulated ones. And I mean, I get coffee from Starbucks. I've gone to like smoothie places and had them fill it with a smoothie for me. I make my matcha in there. So yeah, they're very uh, versatile. Now, one thing my grandma does is um, if she forgets her plastic bag, she lives quite a ways out from town and so the gas to go back home time that it would take to go all the way home to get her bags um would just be an an even bigger carbon footprint likely than than getting plastic bags so what she does um or did was if she'd forget to bring them she'd just put all the groceries straight into the cart and push the cart out and have to put all the items one by one into the back of the car and then you know load them when she got home take them out and just do it without bags and it was such a annoying experience that doing it I think once or twice made her never forget her reusable bags ever again so she was oh yeah very purposely stubborn about it oh I forgot my bags well I'm not using any bags this is a learning so I think that could be something that other people do as well you you go through that one annoying of oh my god I have to put every single item more than once oh my gosh this is so annoying you'll never forget your bags again
1: Yes, love it. Yes, there's always a couple more solutions, so that's perfect.
2: Absolutely. I think a big part of being zero waste is just being creative, just getting creative with your solutions to things.
1: Absolutely. I actually have this quote that I really like to say, which is, um, rarely do we have waste problems, often we have creative thinking problems. So true. So true. Can you explain the five R's of zero waste? Of course. So um, these were uh, made by Baya Johnson, and the first one is to refuse what you don't need. Um, The second one is reduce, reduce what you do need. Third one is reuse, which is to reuse what you have as many times as you can. Also talks about shopping secondhand, making sure that you're utilizing the secondhand market because then we're reusing what's already in the waste stream rather than requiring new resources be extracted for our products. And then you have recycle, which is at the end, which I think is very, very important, which I'll come back to in just a minute. And then the last one is rot, which is compost. And so I think we're all very familiar with reduce, reuse, recycle. We've heard that. It's been drilled into us for a very long time. But the thing is we tend to forget about recycling. Or, I mean, we tend to focus on recycling. We tend to forget about reduce and reuse. And that's because recycling is very, very marketable. So, it's been proven that if a customer thinks they can recycle a product, they're more likely to buy more. They're more likely to overconsume because the weight of doing good by recycling outweighs the good feeling of producing and reusing. So, it's very, very important that we focus on refusing what we don't need, producing what we do need, and reusing as much as we can. And then, lastly, at the very, very, very end, then we recycle.
2: And so, getting into that more about The problem with recycling. Can you talk about um, China's ban on American plastics and what that means for, like, our curbside blue recycling bins here in 2018? Of course. So,
1: as of January this year, China stopped accepting all paper and plastic bales with a contamination rate over one percent. Now, a contamination rate, when the recycling is contaminated, it means that it's not pure. So, let's say that you throw something in the recycling bin that's not recyclable. And you might contaminate a bale. One of the biggest ones for paper is greasy pizza box bottoms. Those are not recyclable. Grease on paper, not recyclable. So that one greasy pizza box bottom can contaminate an entire bale of paper. So we really need to get much, much better about how well we sort. Now Recology out here in the Bay Area, they're one of the top recycling facilities in the United States. And their current contamination rate is about 4%. So some of the other recycling facilities that aren't doing as well, their, their contamination rates are about 24 to 25%. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So a lot of our recycling isn't being recycled. Now, of course, I know Ecology is trying to find new markets um, and other places in Southeast Asia that will take our recycling. The problem is, is that especially when it comes to plastic, plastic just generally isn't really recyclable. You can't take a plastic water bottle and make a new plastic water bottle. It just, it doesn't work. You can take a glass bottle, create a new glass bottle. You can try to take an aluminum can, make a new aluminum can. You can take a steel can and make a new steel can. You can take a plastic bottle and you can make carpet, or you can make fleece or a speed bump. And whenever we're turning into clothes, we have a completely new environmental problem, which is every time it's wash, shed it sheds microplastic particles into the waterways, which, as we talked about earlier, is a huge issue, because now it's in drinking water and in the food chain. And so <laughs> this goes back to one of the reasons why it's best to reduce and reuse what we need instead of re- relying on recycling, since currently it is a very flawed system.
2: Yeah. Do you have tips on getting information, like how to contact your local trash and recycling facilities and find out um where they're sending your recycling, what the contamination rate is, what is and is not recyclable in your area? What tips do
1: you have for people to, to contact their local facilities? Definitely go onto their website. Most, most of the websites have what, what can and can't be accepted for recycling, and sometimes it changes, so make sure that you just check in every couple months. You can call. <laughs> I mean, I've called uh, before, and most of the time I get a customer representative, and I know more about recycling than they do. <laughs> unfortunately that's been my experience as well yeah so um yeah that's a little tricky I will say but it's definitely worth a shot I mean at least on the website they do have what they accept whether or not they're super transparent about where they're sending your recycling and what they're doing with it that's another story but um yeah at least at least you can figure out the guidelines and then adhere very strictly to the guidelines how can somebody go
2: zero waste without having bulk options around them? Because I would, I would warn a guess that most people don't, you know, I I think a lot of people do have a Walmart (laughs) near them, um, but we aren't unfortunately all lucky enough to have Whole foods or local co-ops. So what options exist um, for, for people without bulk options?
1: Yeah. So my first suggestion is don't ever write it off that you don't have any I don't think it's smart just to say, oh, I don't have any. I think it's at least worth a look because oftentimes the places, especially if you live in a small town, are not going to have a web presence. You're not going to be able to Google search for them. You're going to have to find them. So I think that taking some time to find maybe a small mom and pop grocery store, I mean, I've seen bulk bins at like small general stores in very small towns. So, um, checking out unusual markets, like typically, um, You know, there are several grocery stores that have um, Mexican food, Asian food, like that cater more. They've got like different produce. Oftentimes they've got tofu in bulk or maybe they'll have beans in bulk. So definitely make sure that you're checking out non-traditional grocery stores. Mm -hmm. Take some time on foot, walk around, really get to know the area. Yes, it will take a little bit of time, but I think that you'll be really rewarded at the end of it. And then after you've looked around and you said, you know what, really, there's absolutely nothing. It's about trying to focus on materials, being material mindful. That's what Andrea Sanders from B0 says, material mindful. I just love it so much. And it's being very mindful of materials that you're buying. So like we talked about earlier, steel cans, they have a great recycle rate. And then aluminum cans, those do too. So trying to focus on things that do have a really, really good recycle rate, buying things that are wrapped in paper, like flour, that way it can be composted in your backyard compost. And then learning to cook a lot with more fresh fruits and vegetables and then not wrapping all of those fruits and vegetables individually in a plastic bag. Oftentimes when you go to the grocery store, you can just buy a couple vegetables and you can put them straight into your cart or straight into your basket. And you don't really need to wrap them in those plastic produce bags. And also buying like the bulk store. I think there's this like belief that somehow everything magically like shows up in the bulk bins without any packaging. (laughs) And that's just not true. So um, the bulk stores typically buy in like 25-pound bags. So if you're going to eat it all, then think about buying a larger package, which will reduce packaging overall. So you are becoming your own bulk store. So when I first moved out to California, we bought a 25-pound bag of rice, which we basically lived off of. And so we were our own bulk store with our giant bag of rice that we would eat with every meal. So, yeah, just um, being more mindful of what we're consuming and thinking about our meals. And I think opting for more fresh produce and cooking from scratch definitely eliminates a lot of it rather than relying on processed prepackaged food.
2: Definitely. So how much does your husband participate in your zero waste lifestyle?
1: He does quite a bit. It's one of those things where I I tell people, you just got to wait. You just have to have some patience. Because when I first told Justin that I wanted to go zero waste, he was like, well, we already do so much. So I was like, yeah, exactly. It'll be so much easier just to, like, go all the way. And he was, like, he was so distraught. He was like, I thought I was finally dating a normal girl. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man. And like, he was real upset. He's like, I thought I a normal person and you're a weirdo just like everyone else. And so I was like, yeah, well, new flash we're all weird. So, and then he uh, slowly you know, came around. I actually interviewed him after two years of us living zero waste. I was like, Hey, so what do you think? Like, how, how do you feel? Do you feel like we're any different than anyone else? And his response was no, it's just normal life because it's really about building habits. And it's not like we do anything weird. It's not like we have weird habits. We wake up, we brush our teeth, we brush our hair, we go to work. Like there's nothing different about us. We just do it in a slightly different way. Instead of wiping up a spill with a paper towel, we wipe up a spill with a cloth towel. Like, it's not a crazy, radical way of living. And that's what I try to get across to people is, like, I'm totally normal. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's it's radical or anything. I mean, this is – a lot of these habits are exactly how our grandparents lived. I just say the fact that being conscious about what we buy makes us a little nutty is just, like, beyond me. Yeah, definitely.
2: So then the third member of your zero-waste family is your dog, Nala. Is that how you say it? <laughs> yes. Nala. Okay. So how do you do zero-waste with a dog? What do you do about poop bags, about food, treats, toys,
1: and all of that? So we try to opt for package-free treats. So there's, like, a dog boutique in town that we can go to, and they've got, like, a big treat bar. I can just buy my own bag. And they also have, like, a lot of unpackaged sections. One time we went camping, and there was um, a buck that had shed his antler. And we just, like, grabbed some of those because she loves antlers. Those are her favorite toys. And so it was really cool that we could actually just, like, get it right there and free, which was awesome. (laughs) Um, But we also buy treats from Open Farm Pet. Or, I'm sorry, or just Open Farm. Their handle on Instagram is Open Farm Pet. But all of their food is really sustainably sourced. I love how it's all tracked. And they're partnered with TerraCycle, and so um, I can buy her food from them. And I feel good about it because right now there's not really a great option. It's going to be really difficult to find pet food in bulk. So that's what I'm currently going with. I buy the biggest bag. I mean, I have a big dog, but even if I had a smaller dog, I'd still probably buy the biggest bag to reduce on packaging waste. And, yeah, she loves it a lot. And as far as poop goes, well, you have to have a special dog poop composting program in order for dog poop to be composted. And right now, currently, the only one I know of is there's one in Boulder, Colorado. So I still buy the compostable dog poop bags because I want to support plastic-free products. I want to support companies that are making plastic alternatives. But I know that my dog poop is not going to be composted if I use them. So do you just do you throw them in the trash? Yes. How does one go about
2: conducting a personal trash audit?
1: Yeah, so I think that this is really important, and it's something that we should do. Even though I don't keep track of my trash in a mason jar anymore, I still perform trash audits, and I do it occasionally, and basically, it's collecting all of your trash for a week or more, and then examining it and and looking for patterns, trying to see ways that you're producing waste, and of course, if you're just starting out, you're going to have a lot more trash, and it'll be much easier to find those things that will have a big impact. So I recommend keeping a clipboard by your trash can and everything you throw away, just write it down. Of course, you can also just go out into the backyard, dump it all out, and then sort it. That's another way too, depending on whichever way you want to do it. And then you need to make sure that first of all, you're recycling what should be recycled and that you're throwing away what should be thrown away. Make sure that you're doing all of that correctly. And then you're going to want to sort it by category. Maybe you drink a lot of soy milk, you've got a lot of soy milk packages, tetra packs, which aren't recyclable in most locations make sure to check. (laughs) And then so maybe you think, okay, well, I've got a lot of soy milk packs. That would be a great way that I could make a huge impact up front. Maybe I will try making soy milk. You go to the bulk bins, you buy soybeans, you come home, you try to make soy milk, you realize it's miserable. And then you think maybe, (laughs) maybe I could try a different nut milk. And that's kind of how it started for me. um, In my trash audit, that was one of the main things I was throwing away. And so I now make cashew milk because it so easy. I've got a guide on my IGTV, it's the easiest milk to make I found and it tastes great. So it's kind of like we talked about, it's kind of about finding creative solutions and seeing if there's ways that we can test ourselves and try new things. And just because you try something does not mean that you're going to give it up forever. And that's what I really try to stress to people. People are like, Oh, I can never make my soy milk every week, or I can never make nut milk every week. And it's like, well, yeah, but you could do it for one week. Like you could give it a try. And maybe it'll be so easy that you'll find new ways to incorporate it into your routine. And I recommend doing these things very slowly, adding them on until they become habit. And once they become habit, you don't recognize that you're doing anything differently. And then you can just move on to something else. So
2: why is it that you don't keep a a trash mason jar anymore? What was was the problem with that?
1: So after about two years, I just felt like it had served its purpose. You know, I wasn't really producing much trash to begin with There was nothing that I needed to log there was no personal purpose for it at that point it was sheer vanity and I just don't that's just really that's not my style and at that point if I were to create more trash and then something happened and then I had to like upgrade jars and then I might feel bad about myself and like that's totally not the goal of this I also think it's just really really deceptive because it's only possible based on the area that I live in I have great access to recycling i have great access to package free food i have a lot of really great access and the trash jar doesn't account for anything in the waste upstream 70 percent of the waste is made in the upstream so just because you don't see my bottom 30 percent, doesn't mean i still didn't create a lot of trash and personally around a lot of people that have the trash jar fail to talk about a lot of these things and I'm just way too much of a realist and way too honest to to have something like that. I just, I can't, like, I my honesty level is just way too high. So I just decided it was time to let it go.
2: Yeah, I agree. I always wondered. I was like, there's, there's bound to be stuff that's not going in that jar. Stuff that, you know, is, is being held back. So, yeah. There's, I mean, there's in stuff every really way.
1: Yeah. And everyone lists exceptions like, Oh, I don't put medical in there. Oh, I don't put condoms in there. Oh, I don't put my contact lenses in there. Oh, I don't put this in there. And it's like, okay, well, if you're, if you're removing all of these things that you're not putting in there, like, is that really a full full picture? Like, no, then don't say it's a full picture. Anyways, I digress. <sighs> <Sorry. laughs> so, no, it's, it's, it's definitely something that unfortunately I think
2: is a block for a lot of people. They're, intrigued by this idea of like oh my gosh look at this lady all of her trash for the last five years sits in a mason jar that's so cool and then it's like well that's nice for her but like I've got kids or you know I don't have bulk options and I don't have time to DIY everything I could never do that so I'm not even going to bother trying
1: at all. Right, and like that's kind of the whole point behind my platform that I created was to say, hey, guess what? Like any step you take in the right direction is still a step in the right direction. And if I believe that, and if that's my platform, and that's how I what I where I, what I stand for, then I'm not sure how I can continue to perpetuate the idea of the trash jar. And in my, I, I mean, I did um, monthly, not monthly, but. I did check-ins, and in the blog post, I will say, and this, is what does, and this is what didn't fit. Like, obviously, I did not put my dog poop in the trash jar, because that's pretty disgusting. So, you know, I would yeah. say, this is what's not in it, and be very, very honest and upfront about it. And so I think honesty would go a long way.
2: Definitely. And I saw on your blog that back in, at least in September of 2017, that you were on the beautification committee of your town, Um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about that, like how and why you got on the committee, what you accomplished with them, and how others can get involved at a local level?
1: Yeah, so I think getting involved in local government is incredibly important. Almost uh, local government, in my opinion, is almost more important than at the national level, because if you really want to see change happen quickly, this is where you need to get involved. And um, when there's enough small people moving, it makes it much, much easier for things to move at the top. It's just It's just the way it works. Like, um, I mean, I'm sure we all know grassroots movements are very, very powerful. And so I got involved because the litter problem in my town is pretty bad. And I wanted to help. I wanted to find ways that I could get the community involved. I wanted to find ways that we could come together as a community and try and solve the problem. So are we going to solve the problem? No, probably not. But we are raising a lot of community awareness and, um, we got a, beautification day established and we did like a huge cleanup and then the community came out and it was just absolutely amazing. And so I will say things at small government level move very, very, like all government moves very slowly and just moves slow. So you kind of have to know that going into it, but you don't have to be on a board in order to make a difference. And I think that's, what's really important. If you as a citizen have an idea, you can go to your local government Tell them the idea, and then they can help you. It's really cool, and I don't think a lot of people understand how small government works. So let's say that you want to host a cleanup on this day, and what you need, you need publicity, and you need supplies. So you're going to figure out the area. You're going to get it mapped out. You're going to kind of understand. And then if you have a beautification commission, most towns do, or at least they have one similar, you can actually Google your town name and Google your town name and then boards and commissions. And you'll see several pop-ups, and you'll see when they meet. All of these meetings are open. So you can just go to the meeting, and there's time for community comment. And you can say, hey, here's my idea. Here's what I'd like to do. Here's the day that I'd like to do it. Make Once again, local government moves slowly, so make sure that you plan at least a couple months in advance. And say, I really like supplies, or I really like support of the commission, or I'd really like more publicity. And so what they'll do, typically they've got a city council liaison and they will talk with the city council liaison. They'll take your request under consideration. You can come back to the following meeting the next week, kind of like check in on status. You can even oftentimes just exchange contact information with one of the commissioners. That way you can email them. You don't have to show up to any more meetings. You say, hey, like, how's the project going? And just be in touch. And then they'll say like, okay, well, we found maybe there's funding in the budget for X amount of cleanups, or maybe they have a dumpster. So they're like they're the part, they're partnered with the municipal waste company, and so they're like, okay, well, we have x amount of dumpsters built in for for cleanups, and so we can give you a dumpster for that day. We can get you in touch with this person who has pickers, which you can which you can get, and then I've talked to so and so, and you are going to be now on the city newsletter, and so you can easily accomplish a lot of the goals that you have with their help. That's
2: awesome. Mm-hmm. And. Then- what is the best way in your experience to get local businesses to implement eco-friendly business practices?
1: I personally think writing letters as well, I mean, or emails, you know, I think that is a really easy thing that we can do that a lot of us are terrified of doing. But I think that's because most of the experience we have is based around very, uh, it's kind of negative. A lot of times you see people and they're just like, I'm so upset that blah, 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 blah blah happened. And you're like, okay, well, that's that's not how change works. Um, So if you're like, hey, you know what? I I actually have a template on my blog for contacting local businesses, an email template that you can borrow. And I found it best just to say like, hey, you know what? I love coming to your restaurant. Like, it's awesome. My favorite thing on the menu is here. I've been coming here for X number of years. And I noticed that you automatically put straws in your drinks. And it would be really cool if you adopted a straw on request policy only. And then you can just like ask them to do that. And then oftentimes they're like, Hey, you know what? Like, thanks so much for the suggestion. Like we'll really like, take it under consideration. And that's, that's, that's it. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. And
2: I've I've read your template and I've used it too, to contact local businesses. And um, I think Polly Barks of Green Indie blog has another template as well about contacting companies um, about implementing sustainable practices. And yeah, it's just, they don't know that consumers want something different unless we tell them we want something different. And I think it's important as well, not just to say like, I don't want you to do this, um, but to offer an alternative to offer a solution, like, you know, not just like, Oh, get rid of straws, but you know, Oh, maybe you can make straws available by request only, or maybe you can switch to paper straws or reusable straws. Um, kind of doing some of the work for them in in a sense of, of giving them an alternative. So it's less that they have to look into and, and maybe they're more willing to do it.
1: Absolutely. I would love to know how, were your requests treated positively? I mean, oftentimes I know people don't get back to you at all, but. <laughs>
2: um, I've gotten one so far that was like, Oh yeah, we were actually thinking about doing that already and, and we're in works. Um they gave me the excuse, which is very likely true, that they had a, a stockpile of of um, plastic straws that they were going to use through first. And I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Like if you've already bought it, you've got it in your stock room, like use it and use that time to let customers know that like, Hey, by this date, we're going to be phasing out or something like that. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, fortunately I've just had a lot of no responses at all. Um, yeah. But you know, at least I tried and maybe, as other people bring up the suggestion, they'll see, like, hey, enough people want it.
1: Totally. And, you know, I actually had someone in my Facebook group um, email Alamo Draft House about it, and they were super responsive. And they are like, yeah, we're going to do it. Thanks thanks for letting us know. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Then you hear those stories, and you're like, yes, all right. Like, it makes it all worth it.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because if, if one person can, you know, get a business to make these changes that You know, this business is serving potentially hundreds of customers a day. That is huge. That's bigger than yourself and your own household. So I think it's really important that everybody should send an email here and there. When they see something that they want to change, try to do something about it. Absolutely.
1: So what is your all-time favorite zero waste swap? Probably the bidet attachment on my toilet. Okay. Every time, every time I go on vacation, I'm always like, man. Like my husband and I both are just like, man. I just really wish we had a bidet attachment.
2: You know, I've, I've never tried a bidet, and it's ridiculous because I've had the opportunity. I went to, I spent some time in Morocco, and I brought toilet paper on the plane across the Atlantic Ocean to use because I was so terrified of using the bidets over there. So I completely missed out on the experience. And, of course, that was long before I cared about the planet whatsoever or was even aware that, like, toilet paper wasn't a great thing and and all of that. And now I'm like, man, I wish, like, does anybody (laughs) have a bidet? Can I come over to your house and, like, try it? Like, I want to know. But I've seen they have these bidet bottles for traveling. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I I can get one of those. You just, like, fill it with water and then you can throw it in your bag and and use it and yeah. It's fun. I, might I mean we have a
1: funnel. We have the uh attachment for our toilet, which costs about thirty five dollars. So it's like very reasonable, I think. Um, especially seeing how much toilet paper it stops us from using. But yeah, um it was actually my husband's idea because honestly I was terrified. Like I'm with you, like I was like, That sounds terrifying. That sounds like <laughs> a terrible experience. But once you use it once, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> So
2: what is next for you? What are
1: you working on these days? So right now my book is available for pre-order, which I'm super excited about. I'm very, very excited to see it printed and all done. And it's called 101 Ways to Go Zero Waste. It's uh, kind of like an actionable tip guide. Um, it's very much like a choose your own adventure. So you can kind of pick any tip that you want and start from there. And it's a lot of fun. I worked real hard. <laughs> I think, um, I think it's, very much embodies what I stand for, which is actionable tips that people can implement that are easy and are going to be possible almost no matter where you are. So I had a couple of people message me and they're like, "You know what? I don't have access to bulk food. Is your is your book still going to be useful?" And I was like, "Grocery shopping is one tip. So you have like a hundred others that you can take a look at." So um, I want people to feel encouraged, and I'm super excited. It's available now for pre-order on Amazon. That's awesome. And um, are you going
2: to have like an audiobook available for people that that prefer not to buy physical
1: books? Yeah, so there's going to be an ebook option for sure. Okay. Um, and I'm sure that they probably are going to put some in libraries um, around as well if people want to rent them. And then there's going to be an audio book and then I'm trying to convince them to let me narrate it. So we'll see how all that goes. Ooh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I really, really want to do it myself. So fingers crossed that happens.
2: Yes, I definitely want to buy your audio book if, if you're <laughs> narrating it. And I will leave the link to pre-order it in the show notes, which will be available. It's ahippieinavan.com forward slash zero one zero are the show notes for this episode. Um, so people can go there. They can get more information about Catherine's blog, com. They can get the um, contacting your local business template from your blog, pre-ordering the book, and anything else that we've mentioned um, in this interview will all be available there on the show notes. So, Catherine, any last tips, any any number one tip for just in general how to
1: live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle? Well, I honestly think that being creative and being conscious are probably the two best things that you can do. So take a minute, and if it's anything that you are used to doing a certain way, I just really encourage yourself to ask yourself, why? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because it's what I've been trained to do? Is there a better way? And if we can just slowly start to question our processes, I think we will find very, very, very simple solutions for reducing waste and living a more eco-friendly life right in front of our faces.
0: Perfect. I love it. Catherine, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Hey guys, Callie here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Your support means the world to me. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes 60 seconds, but it really helps because reviews influence how easily people can find this podcast in search results. We also have an exclusive community over on Facebook, so if you want to connect with me and other like-minded people, just type Hippie Haven in the Facebook search bar and join our group. Thanks again, and stay tuned every Wednesday for the next episode.